0: Welcome to the Hydric & Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Carey, a partner in Hydric & Struggle's Washington, D.C. office and a member of the Human Resources Officers and Technology and Services Practices. In today's podcast, I'm talking to SUNY Lobo and Missy Forlani. SUNY is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Marketa, a digital payment innovation and modern card-issuing platform company. And Missy is the Chief People Officer at PowerSchool. A global provider of cloud based software for the K through 12 education sector. SUNY and Bissy, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. So great to be here, Christina. Great to be here, Christina. Thank you for having us. So, you have both recently stepped into your first head of HR role for a public company, which is incredibly exciting. What has your experience been like in these first few months? SUNY, I'd love to hear your perspective
0: to start. Sure, Christina. Happy Joe. When I was thinking about this when we spoke earlier, my time has been fairly atypical. I joined Marquetta in January this year, continued my journey with them for about three and a half months, and then went off on maternity leave for four months. I've been back for two months now since September. So the journey has been fairly atypical. So I want to make sure that folks understand that and hear that. But I think if I was thinking about a new person stepping into a publicly listed CHR role, what happened in the first three and a half months probably are more relevant for folks and would be the same if I didn't go off on maternity leave straight after that. And the things that come to mind in the first 90 days are around listening, really deeply listening, building relationships, Making sure you know who your stakeholders are and the board of directors, the executive team, the employee base, and of course, most importantly, your team. So that was something that I was acutely focused on in the first three months that I was here. And also specifically, when you think about the journey we've been on in Marketa. We went public last year, so very much at the pre-IPO stage and didn't have processes really built out from an HR perspective. So something that I wanted to focus on when I came in with my team, but also to build a team because a lot of the team had exited after we went public. So I hired nine roles in the first three months, which was incredibly <laughs> interesting, both for my team and I, but wanted to make sure we showed up the team and set them up well for success when I was away, while also putting a successor in from someone within my team, which was fantastic and a great opportunity for her. Well, first,
1: congratulations on the Thank arrival you. of the new little lady. Missy, would love to hear your thoughts on how your time has been at Power School. It feels a little bit eerily deja vu of
2: exactly what Suni said. I mean, I feel like she was checking every box as I was thinking through, you know, this first sort of five months for me, very similar in nature. Spent a lot of time around listening, building relationships, those stakeholder relationships with the board, with the CEO, with the executive team, and then obviously with my team. And very similar journey going um, recently public in July of 2021. Really looking at what are those practices, processes, procedures as a public company that you really need to focus on that's very different from being private. And, you know, all things socks and compliance related, you know, you want to make sure that we're paying attention to the things that are going to keep us safe and help us really drive into the future. But moreover, it's been around transformation, really looking at the talent team and what we're doing to aid the business to accelerate those business results. And so I think as I reflect on my first five months, it's been around being so grateful and thankful to work for such a mission-driven company, but being really strategically aligned with the executive leadership team to really bring to life and to accelerate the diverse, inclusive, collaborative culture that we've got at PowerSchool. So feel
1: really, truly blessed to be here. And I guess following up on this first experience in the first few months, if you could go back to the start of your time as the head of HR at your respective organizations. Is there advice you would give yourself to help yourself prepare, Suny?
0: Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is to take a lot of lateral moves early in one's career. And I would say lateral and global moves. And for me, the global move aspect is really important. You know, I wanted to very early on be a global HR leader. So I took a lot of opportunities that were presented to me. So that's the other thing, you know, grab opportunities, whether they're presented to you or you raise your hand for them. I lived in eight different countries and did a lot of different roles earlier on in my career. That was actually quite game changing for me personally yeah. to have had those experiences and live in different cultures. Something that's really important to me is diversity and inclusion. And it helped me really understand where people were coming from. And that's something that I leverage every day in my career. The other thing is around taking a business role. So if folks are rooted in HR or grew up in the HR profession, like me, one of the things that I was really advised earlier on my career is to move into a business role, which I did. And that was really important for me to understand the mechanics of business and how to be a business leader with a people and culture focus. And that's the way I see myself. More than an HR leader, it accelerates the business, which is also really important to me. I see myself as a business leader with an HR focus. So having those business experiences earlier on and even later on in my career, the last role that I had was a CPO for a private company, but I also double hatched as a COO. So it gave me a really good business insight. So those are the things, in hindsight, looking back, that stood me in good stead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's fantastic. Missy, building on that, what do you, you know, wish you had known or wish someone had maybe told you before stepping into your current position?
2: I echo Suni's sort of comments around the business acumen and really having an appreciation for that and really learning the business and spending a lot of time with the CFO and with the business leaders to really get an appreciation. I've always spent a lot of time building strong relationships that's really critical to me. And I know that having influence and strong relationships is at the top of sort of what I think is so important as you come into a new role. But I also am one of those people that I like to help add value in a really immediate way to help people see that, you know, you've come in and you're here to help me drive my business forward. I think if I could give myself any advice, it would be to slow down a bit. Like, Yes, be intentional about the strong relationships, but it's sort of human nature to want to make an immediate impact and achieve quick wins. So if I could go back, I would be reminding myself and giving myself permission to slow down a bit, to be more intentional and upfront around assessing current state and building out that roadmap and then executing to ultimately accelerate the impact you can have. But connecting the dots on all the pieces and bringing people on the journey is such an important piece.
1: Missy, that's actually a great segue into the next question. You're talking about relationships. Given your heavy interaction with the CEO, other members of the executive team and the board, what are some of the leadership capabilities you've started to exercise more and you feel are more critical now than maybe they were in the past?
2: Sure. A couple of things come to mind for me, really. I kind of doubled down on it already, but that quickly building business acumen Especially for me in the ed tech space, a new industry for me, you know, I consider myself to have high learning agility, but sometimes it's like diving right into really getting an appreciation and understanding the business model, the financials, the external markets, customers and board dynamics. So I think you can't underestimate the understanding of the business so that you can really jump in and add value. But I think the biggest shift in capability I'm focused on developing now is how I can help shape and influence the business strategy and partnering with my executive peers to move the organization forward. In previous roles, I've built out and aligned the talent strategy to the business strategy, but it's now sort of taking that next step to actually help shape and influence the overall business strategy. It's a capability and a muscle I'm continuing
1: to stretch and exercise. Yep, yep. Sunni, building on that, were there capabilities that you had already started to build on in earlier roles that you feel like you're using more now? And what do you feel is most critical in the CPOC?
0: You know, I think Missy said it so well. And if there's anything I would add to that, because what Missy said in terms of accelerating business strategy is so important in a CHR role, whether it's in the public or a, a private company. The additional things that I've noticed personally is around Courage and resilience. Courage to be able to have a point of view and bring people along and not waver on that point of view while being flexible and listening, right? So the courage aspect has been in acute focus, you know, ever since I've moved into a chief people officer role, both for my team and for the business. And the other one is resilience. You know, we have leaders at all stages in the continuum when they think about HR expertise and HR leadership, right? Some more on the operational space, some think of HR in the most strategic way. So having the resilience to stick with it and influence leaders to think more strategically about the people and the culture function.
1: Love that. And again, perfect transition. You know, we continue to hear about the importance of HR being that strategic partner within the organization that aligns talent strategy to business objectives. Maybe, SUNY, build on how that's manifesting itself within Marketa. Are there new challenges specifically doing this in a public company environment? But what are you seeing? Yeah,
0: I think with a public company, the key difference is, Whatever we embark on from a people and culture perspective is in the media and it's in, in focus broadly, not just within the organization you work in. So making sure that you're cognizant of SASH, that, that's an opportunity also to give back to your community and also being aware of the voice you have in your community is super important. But a couple of things, you know, that come to mind with what we've done specifically is around the future of work. And thinking about how do we partner with the business and think more long term, three to five years out, around how will the future of work change and how will our employees want to engage with us, so to speak, right? What would the employee journey look like? So we've looked at the Flex First policy from a number of lenses. How do we increase productivity? And that's still a journey. That's something that we want to think about and measure more intentionally over time. But how do we make our workforce more diverse and have access to talent pools that we didn't have access to before we came out definitively and said we'd like to be known as a flex first employer? So that's one example, you know, thinking about where the business is, what kind of talent do we have access to? How do we accelerate, you know, tapping into that talent? And that has gotten a lot of attention, both from future and potential employees, but also our current employees will feel more empowered. So that's just one example, thinking about aligning global talent to our customer needs, for example, you know, do we hire folks in other geographies, in other countries, and how do we access the talent pool there? How do we build an operating and people cadence that is sustainable, that doesn't serve us only in the short term, but also in the long term as we grow in a high growth environment? And then how do we drive employee stickiness, as I call it, you know, how do we have a culture that enables folks to do the best work of their lives and thrive? in the communities that they're operating in. Missy, what are you seeing in Power School with respect to this
1: talent strategy and business objective alignment? What are the challenges you guys are facing? Yeah, for me,
2: same focus areas around we're calling it core are creating organic relationships and engagement. Our core strategy, which is really our hybrid work strategy as well. But what I've noticed first and foremost is having to almost look internal at my own team first to really make sure that we've got a solid foundation. I've got the right capabilities and capacity to really level set and then help the business accelerate. So it's really manifested itself in four specific ways for me. The talent strategy for me has been around capacity first freeing up time and space for my team to focus on those moments that matter most to the business and prioritization, right, is key. There's always a hundred things on the plate when you're working within HR and, and we can't do everything. And so being very intentional, that ruthless prioritization of what are the most important things that will matter to the business and then enabling HR to deliver those moments that matter with the right solutions, the right context, sort of at the right time And then the community building across our organization, breaking down silos and sort of thinking about the location strategies, And specifically focusing on global scale with local relevance, like how do we scale internationally and how do we set up our talent organization in a way that promotes credibility and engages the business on those most important people issues and initiatives to be seen as that true strategic partner. So for me, it's sort of getting my own house in order first in order to then align with the business. And sometimes that goes to that sort of slow down to speed up. Making sure
1: we've got the right capability to help drive business results, it's super critical for us. Yeah, and you talk about transformation. I mean, so you're both working within technology companies that are growing, changing. Missy, I'd be curious to know how the digital and technology transformation that is taking place is affecting how you implement your HR strategy within your organization.
2: We're in the process of building out our tech roadmap that really brings to life a digital workplace that empowers and connects the workforce through this sort of customized and personalized in the flow of work digital experience. So as we're thinking about employee experience being top of mind for us in this war for talent and really to differentiate ourselves, we want to be an employer of choice. We know it's about aligning that employee experience to what we're providing for our customers as a customer experience. And so that's a game changer for us. So being super intentional about what we automate, what we can do that's more self-service, what we can be doing to really bring to life things that are personalized for employees and aligning all of that really in the digital world. It's not easy, but I do think that there's some really fun, innovative
1: things that we can do that really will be a game changer for our employees. Sudhi, what are you seeing on the technology transformation and change front within Marketa and how that's affecting the HR work that you're doing?
0: You know, I think it's so fascinating where we are at as an HR function, you know, just as a function holistically within organizations outside. We play a little bit of, you know, let's follow what the business does from a technology transformation perspective in the HR space with our tools and our processes and, you know, HRI systems. And that is something that is a personal pet peeve of mine that I'd love to talk about with, you know, my peers around the globe on how we can change this and be more on the front foot, so to speak. So that we can have what Missy talks about, a more personalized experience. When you think about what employees want today, it is personalization. So how do we enable HR systems, uh, technology within the HR space to get us there faster than we've been getting there, in all honesty, right? To leapfrog almost some of the technology that's out there. So that is something that we've been quite focused on. How do we overlay our HRIS system with innovative technology that can leapfrog almost creating that personalization for our employees? That's something that my team and I are having really great discussions about. And we've hired some good folks within our HR technology space to help us do that. So that's something that comes to mind for me in addition to what Missy talked about. But we have so many challenges in terms of how the business views technology and how, you know, right now we feel like we're keeping up from an HR perspective and I would love to be able to say, you know, we can lead in the space. That's fantastic. You know, I think
1: you guys have clearly learned quite a bit during the course of your first three, six months plus on the job. I'd love to know, Missy and Suni, what's been the most rewarding thing about being an HR leader within a public company? Missy, if you can kick us off.
2: The most rewarding thing for me is the people I get to work with and for at PowerSchool. And the opportunity afforded me to contribute to a purpose and a legacy that impacts millions of students, parents, educators across the globe. Like for me, I was at the point in my career that working for a mission-driven public company that puts people first was absolutely a non-negotiable. And so I'm super thankful and grateful to you, Christina, and the entire Hydrogen Struggles team for aligning the stars for me.
0: Suny, how about you?
1: Thank you for that, Missy. It was, it was our pleasure.
0: I'd echo what Missy said, you know, Christina and the team at Hydrogen Cycles are game changers in this this space. And the way Christina has approached my search and how she really connected me to this opportunity it's quite fascinating. (laughs) It's something that we often talk about. (laughs) Because like you, Missy, I was looking for, you know, a mission-driven organization that truly valued people. And that's what I found with uh, Jason, our CEO, you know, at the core of it all, he really cares about people and what we're doing in our space to empower organizations and people. And for me, one of the most I think rewarding things is to develop my team, not only great HR professionals, but also business leaders and the opportunity this role affords you to do that. The other thing is making an impact in our communities. And we do a lot of work with our communities and in our communities to give back in my And that's something that's really hugely rewarding to me.
1: Well, it has been such a pleasure to talk to both of you as we come to a close on the conversation, Sunni and Missy, One final question. We've talked a lot about what you've done in the past and then what you've learned in this first chapter at your organizations. What leadership skill sets and capabilities do you think are going to be most important as you move forward in your roles and your organizations continue to evolve?
0: I think in addition to what we said through this podcast, the thing that comes to mind is to be a a multiplier, thinking about the work that we do and how we can multiply that to create sustainable purpose and growth for companies. And also an industry and a global voice, you know, having the opportunity to do that in our roles is something that's not lost in me. So, you know, for things that are personally very important to me, example, diversity and inclusion, creating a sense of belonging for our employees. That's something that I'm acutely aware of and want to leverage. And the last thing I'd say is being a talent magnet. you know, also developing great HR professionals is something that I'm personally really passionate about.
2: Missy, how about you? I would echo everything Suni just said and add just a couple of other you know, key capabilities. Change in agility, I think, is at the top of the list. I'm um, being able to sort of see around corners, anticipating what's coming next, and then really building and selling a vision, right? Focusing on bringing to life a brand and an employee value proposition that really attracts and retains diverse talent So that, you know, we can really distinguish ourselves at PowerSchool from other companies out there in this more for talent. But again, like Sunny said, I think becoming a multiplier, really doubling down on helping our leaders be the best version of themselves. That's the magic, right? That's the magic when you're attracting and retaining talent is the leader, the leader you work with and for. And so those would be the
1: pieces I'd also reinforce. Amazing. Well, it has been truly an honor to work with both of you to see you grow during your career journey. And we've heard such insightful comments from both of you today. So can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak with us and just really looking forward to seeing what both of you do in the future at Marquette and Power School. But look forward to continuing the conversation in the future. Thanks, Christina. Thanks for having us, Christina. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future-shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.